0: Hello and welcome back to Catching Up on Capitol Hill, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. I'm your host, John Gimigliano. Well, it's been a little slow on Capitol Hill this fall. With Congress gone since September in full campaign mode, we haven't had much new to talk about, but that doesn't mean we haven't been talking. Because the thing that everybody wants to know, and the thing we're going to discuss today is, are we going to get a tax extenders bill after the midterm elections? And even more specifically, people wanna know whether 174, the r expensing rule, is gonna be reinstated back to January 1 of 2022. Of course, we don't know the answer to these excellent questions, but that won't stop us from talking about them anyway. Joining me today to get at the extender's question are our old friends, Jennifer Gray and Carol Coolish. Jennifer, Carol, thanks for joining. And Carol, my first question is for you. Let's put aside tax for the moment. When Congress returns after the election for this lame duck session, do we expect there to be any legislation at all putting aside tax and then maybe we could talk about whether or not tax could get on to something that might be happening anyway?
1: Thanks, John. I think it's highly likely we're going to see legislation during the lame duck. The number one thing on the agenda is funding the government. Right now we're operating under a continuing resolution. That continuing resolution expires on December 16th. So. Unless they do something further, which would likely be another continuing resolution to some other date in the future, we would have a government shutdown. And that's something I think the Democrats are going to try to avoid. I think many Republicans will try to avoid it as well and just punt the ball down the road. The question is how far down the road they punt it. But that's going to be an issue that is front and center on the agenda. And then there's a lot of other issues that could come up, and some of them could be attached to the CR, some of them could be dealt on a standalone basis, but you could see things come up with things like covid funding foreign aid another issue in the tax space retirement tax savings there's been bipartisan interest in doing something on that marriage equality is another potential thing national defense authorization act mansions interest in trying to do something with energy infrastructure permitting so there are a host of other items that may be addressed they could all be bundled together or there may be some standalone bills but i think potentially we could be seeing a very busy lame duck session from a legislative activity perspective
0: I think you're absolutely right. Nobody wins in a government shutdown. I think we've learned that over the years. So I don't think either party is going to want that to happen. then, as you say, there's all these other issues swirling out there. You know, we've got a number of senior retiring members in both the House and the Senate who might have a last chance at some legacy type legislation. So it seems like there's going to be a lot of push to do something in that lame duck session. So then I guess the question is, you know, how big would that be and what could get included so that leads us, of course, to then tax extenders. Tax extenders were never going to drive the lame duck agenda, but they certainly could catch a ride on something. So, Jennifer, of course, when we talk about tax extenders, we're talking about those tax items that have expired or are about to expire. And there's a whole constellation of them. And we've talked about this before in previous episodes about all the, I think we call them the night of the living dead tax extenders things. But in this particular Congress, and in particular, this lame duck, people keep talking about They call them the big four tax extenders. Remind us what the big four are, and then we can talk about what the other ones might be. But what are the big four?
2: Well, there are provisions that have come from more recent tax legislation, three of those from the TCJA Act and then one from some of the COVID legislation. So from the TCJA Act, we have the R&D capitalization kicking in, Section 174, and then also the change on the corporate interest deduction calculation from EBITDA to EBIT the 163J issue, and then the 100% bonus depreciation is starting to ramp down. So those all coming from the TCJA. And then from the child tax credit, there were a number of extensions and modifications to the child tax credit that were made in some of the more recent COVID-related legislation, and a number of those taxpayer-friendly provisions and changes expire as well.
0: Interesting thing about them, though, Jennifer, right, as we're already calling them extenders. Historically, our extenders to these things have been extended over and over and over. These haven't been yet. None of the four you mentioned, this would be their first go around at getting extended beyond their original sunset date.
2: Correct, and and certainly with the DCJA ones in particular, you know, those having been done as part of a reconciliation bill, The reason that these changes are coming into effect was largely, I would postulate, that that would be because they had to have these various expiration dates and kicking in dates, et cetera, in order to comply with the reconciliation rules that TCGA was passed under.
0: That's an interesting observation. We can get to that later about, you know, where the relative parties will stand on these because, you know, Democrats might look at these saying, well, we didn't cause this problem. Why do we need to solve it? But let's come back to that. So, but before we do that, Carol, back to you again. So we talked about the so-called big four, but there are many, many other expired or expiring provisions, too numerous to count or to mention all, but can you just sort of give us a general idea what we're talking about these other extenders that are floating out there?
1: We've had extenders around for a long, long time in the tax code. And usually what you have happen is, and I think a lot of people describe it this way, it's kind of a train. You have your engines, which are your items, like your big four that Jennifer was describing this year, that have broad and deep support. And they're the things that make it more likely that extenders is gonna be addressed. And then there's a lot of little items that historically have been attached. A lot of things have expiration dates or dates where things change in terms of how the code provisions draft it, that those can be cars that they wanna be attached to the engines and they try to move forward. They might not have as broad of support, but they may have support from particular constituencies, particular industries, particular members of Congress. Now, some of those in the energy area that Democrats have been supportive of historically, some of those things were addressed largely through the legislation enacted last year, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. But there are others that have been around for a while. I'll just use one example because it's commonly used. There's the cost recovery provision relating to racehorses. That's a very strong interest to particular people. It's also of interest to Senate Majority Leader McConnell So there's not the same breadth of support for that, but if there is a train moving forward, all these things are being, you know, people want to be on there and there are particular members of Congress who will stand up and say, well, if that train's moving, I want my thing to be on it. So you do have a bunch of those things floating around. I just used one as an example. There's quite a few others of them or quite a number of other ones. And then I'll also say there's another clump of extenders, which are the kind of the down the road extenders that if Republicans take control of one or both changes. Chambers of Congress in the next year, they may try to address maybe through reconciliation legislation if they have both chambers and can manage all the procedural requirements of reconciliation and see what happens if they send a bill to the president. But those are things that in the TCJA, the individual tax provisions like the rate cuts from the TCJA that are set to expire at the end of 2025, they're not necessarily urgent to do things in the coming Congress, in this next Congress, but they are things where I think Republicans already in the House have indicated that if they take control of Congress, that's one of their thing on the agenda is to try to extend some of those favorable individual tax provisions that sunset under the uh, TCJA at the end of 2025. So yeah, there are a lot of other items out there.
0: And one of the interesting things that you mentioned is this analogy, which is an excellent one, of the train, right? You've got the engine pulling, the boxcars Boxcars probably couldn't move without themselves, but they contained something valuable to somebody. The engine has changed over the years, right? Once upon a time, it was the AMT patch for individuals. You know, that was the must-do thing that everybody else could get a ride on. And that was kind of solved. Then it was the R&D credit, which, of course, was made permanent. And so these extenders have often relied upon something to pull them along. And the emergence of the big four, these new extenders that have not gone through this yet, are really important. Like 174, you know, that's a really important one. And some of these others may be as well, child tax credit and other things to get a deal done. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that analogy, because while the engine has changed, kind of this dynamic of the is looking for a, a way to catch a ride has remained the same for these many, many years. All right, so Jennifer, let's come back to now the various position of the negotiating parties when we get to this lame duck session. Talk about Republicans for a moment. When Republicans come to the table, what do you think their priorities are going to be in November-ish, December timeframe?
2: I think they're largely going to be those three TCGA-related provisions that we talked about, the R&D capitalization, corporate interest deductibility, and 100% bonus depreciation. I think those three will largely be their priorities one thing that's interesting, and, and Carol may touch on this, but both sides have some interest, particularly in the R&D capitalization. It was part of the Build back Better Act that passed the democratically controlled House back in the fall of 2021. And so I think it will be interesting. I think there's some posturing going on right now, trying to determine who's going to take the lead on that particular provision.
0: That's such a good point. You have both sides pointing at each other saying, that one's yours. That's not my ask. That's yours. You know, Democrats, of course, saying "Yeah, it's a corporate tax cut. That's what you want, Republicans. And Republicans are saying it was in your bill, right? Build back better. So, you know, that every Democratic member of the House or almost all voted for. So it's an interesting point. You know, in the end, that may be a joint ask before we move on to those other things. One other question for you, Jennifer. Carol mentioned the TCJA 2025 expiring provisions. I don't have any doubt in my mind Republicans are going to come back to those and say we need to address those and extend those. Do you agree it's premature, though? That's not a November, December 2022 issue, though, right? We will not expect them to come to the table asking for those this year, do we?
2: they may ask for them. I think the chances of them being a high priority or being completed realistically this year are quite low, as we've come to expect. Congress doesn't tend to deal with any of these expiring provisions until the very last minute. So the idea of them dealing with them a few years in advance seems probably overly optimistic at this point.
0: Or maybe put differently, the asking price from Democrats is going to be so steep that it's just not going to be possible in a deal this year. All right, Carol, to you then. So we talked about what Republicans may come to the table asking for. What do you think Democrats are going to come to the table, if they do, asking for in a year-end negotiation around extenders?
1: Yeah, and let me just backtrack for one second. With the stuff that expires at the end of 2025, I think Democrats are supportive of extending the individual rate cuts. But for the lower and more middle-income people, it's the higher income brackets and some of the pass-through stuff that I think that – would be where the Democrats would have concerns. In terms of what the Democratic priorities are this time around, you know, I do agree with Jennifer. There are some Democrats who support some of the business extenders, particularly 174. But there's also some Democrats, I think, who look at the extenders package that historically has almost been rubber stamped by Congress. You know, we do these things when, you know, they come up from time to time, they become a crisis, we just do them. But I think there are some Democrats who look at them now and say, hey, you know, this is largely weighted historically towards business and we really want to make sure we're helping people at the lower ends of the income scale and particularly with the child credit Some of the more progressive Democrats in particular really think that's the thing that you really need to do and that the package needs to be balanced between things that are helping individual people versus things aimed at businesses. And some of the Democrats, that is, I think, their number one priority is trying to get as much as they can in terms of the child credit, but knowing that at the end of the day, they're going to have to reach some sort of compromise because even the Democrats in their own reconciliation bill couldn't get an extension of as generous of a proposal as was in the 2021 COVID legislation. It's just, it's costly. So there's going to have to be some negotiating there, but I think that's a very important priority for some of the Democrats and something that, you know, even though there's other Democrats who are also very supportive of the business tax breaks, I think there's some Democrats who say this is must do, we must have something that is helping the individuals in the lower or middle brackets. It's also possible that Treasury may ask For some legislation, we obviously don't know this yet, but with the enactment of the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, it's quite possible that the administration may ask Democrats in Congress to fight for inclusion of some provisions that address technical issues or fleshing out some of the details of some of the technical rules in some of the IRA provisions before they go into effect next year. So I put those as the number one and two would be, I think for some Democrats, Doing something significant with child credit is going to be very important. And then, as I said, there may also be things that Congress doing, trying to advance things that Treasury requests potentially.
0: Let me ask you a question there, Carol. Hearing you talk about the child tax credit, and I agree with everything you said, that there probably is some policy change. Somewhere between the version that was enacted in the American Rescue Plan Act, right, ARPA, and the baseline law. There's lots of policy options in there to expand the credit to maybe make a deal. But one of the things that people often say in extenders bills is date changes only, right? No policy changes. That's the old rallying cry, right? Like, I'm sorry, we can only do date changes. We can't do policy changes. That, I guess, what Democrats would be talking about with the child credit could be viewed as a policy change and we're trying to rewrite it. So. I don't know. Do you think that that would make it a non-starter or do you think where there's a will, there's a way? And both sides could say, in this instance, we're willing to allow for a policy change on the child tax credit to basically enable the rest of the bill. What do you think? Well,
1: you can argue that it's a date change, but they're carving it back a little bit. And why should somebody object to moving a date forward, but carving a provision back? Isn't that sort of tantamount to what they're doing? I mean, it's already expired, but I think I'm more in the where there's a will, there's a way. What an extender is, is in the eye of the beholder. You know, we used to think of them more as things that were extensions of tax incentives. And, you know, more recently, they've become issues where bad things are scheduled to happen and we're bumping forward the date where the bad things would happen. So I think it's in the eye of the beholder. And when there's a will, there's a way. And it basically just comes down to if they do decide to address extenders in a lame duck, you know, it's just the parties negotiating. And what's it going to take to put a bill together? And I will also just say that because they're negotiating a whole package, I mean, there's negotiations around the tax extenders, but there's also negotiations around what's in the whole package and what other stuff gets added. So there could be trade-offs. Like there might be some things that people don't like in one piece, but they're getting something else in the mega bill that's moving forward. But I guess I tend to think where there's a will, there's a way, and it's in the eye of the beholder.
0: I agree with you. I do think that they'll find a way. If that's what it takes to get this deal done, they'll find a way. All right, Jennifer, two more questions here we've got. So let's say they do a bill. Okay, we get an extenders bill done in December of this year. Would we expect it then to be retroactive back to January 1st of this year? So for those provisions that expired December 31, 2021, 174, 163J, the child credit, all these things, would it be retroactive or because we're going to be so late in the year, would they just say, forget that, let's look forward only? What does history tell us?
2: Well, there's never a 100% guarantee of anything when Congress is involved, but certainly one would expect those to be retroactive. I know there's been one, maybe two instances in the past few decades where that has not happened, but that's extremely rare. So certainly I think we would expect those to be retroactive to the date of expiration.
0: I think that's right. I think the R&D credit once, maybe in the early 90s or something, got extended, and, but they left like a six-month gap. That's really, really rare. So I, the safe bet. But most importantly, as you say, Jennifer, we never know for sure. I guess the longer it goes on, the harder it gets to do retroactively. But I think you're right. They'll probably, you know, as long as they get it done this year, not leave a gap in those provisions. All right, Carol, last question then. Well, let's just now take the other scenario. What if they don't get a deal done in December of this year? Do you think that means, sorry, extenders, you're dead? Or does that mean now we're going to talk about them in 2023, you know, they're going to eventually find a time to turn to them in 2023. And if that's the case, when? January? December? What do you think we would be looking at?
1: I think that would mean that they'd still be talking about extenders in 2023. And I'd expect them to get something done on extenders at some point in 2023. But in terms of your question as to the timing, as to whether it's earlier or later in 2023, I think it's too soon to tell. It could end up being an an end of 23 bill, but it could also be earlier in the year. In my view, the odds are good that an extender's package will get added to some sort of bipartisan, must-pass legislation. That could be something like another funding bill. But at this point, we don't know when the upcoming lame duck Congress will kick the can down the road to with respect to government funding when it does the next CR. We don't know yet when the next Congress will need to address funding. We don't know whether there could be multiple funding bills next year. So, what happens with stuff like a continuing resolution could very well be a function of the election results. And we don't know the results yet. Debt ceiling could also be a potential vehicle, but that could be pretty messy. In some scenarios, I could even see more in different scenarios, depending upon the results and which party controls the House and the Senate. So bottom line, I think it gets done in 2023. I'm just not sure when.
0: Yeah, Jennifer, a vast majority of these things do happen in Decembers of various years. But I think you are looking at like the historical record. I think we have at least one recent instance of a mid-year extenders bill. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think I look at a little bit. More simply, I think it's, for all intents and purposes, tied to the funding bill. And so there was a situation in 2018 after TCJA where the funding bill was not dealt with in finality until February 2018. And at that point, the extenders rode with that. So they were signed in February of 2018, and they retroactively reinstated extenders for 2017 only. So just the the retroactively, not prospectively. They're probably largely tied with that. I think if we see a funding bill go in December without extenders attached, then I think that certainly makes it much more difficult for extenders to go. I think if they kick the can on the funding bill until early 2023, then I could still see extenders running with that perhaps during the first quarter of the following year.
1: And I don't disagree with that, Jennifer. I'm just saying I just wonder what Republicans would want to do, again, if they took control of one or both chambers in terms of when you're negotiating this CR, how far down the road they'd want to kick the can, what their negotiating position would be?
0: Well, we'll have to see. The election is only weeks away, and that will give us another data point as to what the future of extenders will look like. Well, thank you, Carol. Thank you, Jennifer. That's all we have time for today. In closing, just an observation on Section 174. That's the research and experimentation expensing provision we discussed today. We have definitely spent most of our time this fall talking about that item. And it's pretty easily the single business provision with the broadest support. So the question we've gotten all year has been, if there's an extenders bill, will 174 be in it? And you know, the more times I answer that question, and the more times I try and imagine how a lame duck session is gonna go, the more I think we've been asking the wrong question, or maybe asking the question backwards. Maybe the better question is this, Can an extender's bill happen without Section 174? And to that, I increasingly think, no, it seems unlikely. Section 174 has such broad and even bipartisan support that it's the first thing that may get negotiated on expired tax items. And if that negotiation falls apart, well, then Congress could very well just take a pass on all the other expired and expiring items as well. Look, I don't know if you'll see that observation as good news or as bad news, but if you are one of those people lying awake at night, wondering what the depreciation period is going to be for your racehorse, well, the answer to that may well depend on whether Congress can strike a deal in other distant corners of the tax code. With that, thanks again for tuning in to Catching Up on Capitol Hill. Please don't forget to submit your questions, your comments, and suggestions to our inbox. Take care, and I do hope to see you soon.